We're going to be talking about ble- being blessed, all right? And there are some things that are connected with being blessed. And I cannot, I cannot talk to you about being blessed without going to the words of Christ. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, when he said, When someone has been given much, when someone has been blessed, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. If you are blessed, Jesus says, then something is required of you. If you are blessed abundantly, then something abundantly is required of you. That's what he's saying right here. And you, and let me tell you, if you don't know it, you are blessed. Now, if anyone wants to argue me, argue with me about that, see me after service. The poorest person in this room is richer than 95% of the people in this world. You are so dadgum stinking blessed that you don't even realize how blessed you are. You are blessed, and you aren't blessed just so you can just hoard it and hang on to it. God has blessed us so we can be a blessing. And if you look, you know, this is the time of year, okay? Thanksgiving dinner's next next Sunday night. Please be here. Please, please, please. Uh, Thanksgiving is right, right on top of us. It's right here. If you uh, Google Thanksgiving and you, you start looking, first of all, let me give you a definition. Thanksgiving, you know what it is? It's the expression of gratitude, especially to God. Now, if you Google that, or if you look, you know, you just Google it. You don't go to a dictionary, but just Google it. You're going to see all these things about Thanksgiving has always been a, a, a reminder or a, a celebration of the harvest. Wrong. That's not what it is. Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude, especially toward God. And, and, you know, our country needs a history lesson. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of one right now, okay? We need a history lesson. And, and Christians, we need a history lesson because we're listening to them say it's about being appreciative for the harvest. No, it's about thanking God for his abundant blessings on us. And you prove that to you? Our very first president, George Washington. You remember him? Heard of him? Not a perfect person. No, no, you, you've, you've heard the stories. You know the history, right? No, not a perfect person. Not talking about being perfect, but let me tell you what he knew. This is his proclamation for a Thanksgiving day. There, you know, Thanksgiving wasn't set on the fourth Sunday of the month of, of November for a long time after this. But, and, and it's going to be a good bit to read. And listen, I, I'm just taking excerpts here, okay? If you go to the Sunday's page, you can click on a link and it'll take you to the full proclamation of what he pr- proclaimed. He says, where it is, where, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. He say that? The president of the United States said that all the way back then? So, so maybe this country was really founded on the stuff that we say it was founded on? Yeah, the providence of Almighty God to obey his will to be grateful for his benefits, to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress, seriously? Oh God, can you take us back to where both houses of Congress and our, and our commander in chief is standing up and calling us back to prayer and to thanksgiving for our God? Come on, that's the, you know, you, amen. You don't just need to be voting on Tuesday. You need to be praying. But you don't, and you don't need to, some of you just praying and you're not voting. You need to be doing both, okay? 
you're a child of God, you need to be praying and you need to be voting. God, take us there. Whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Yes, he said it again. Especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Go on to the next Next slide. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the, to the service. What service? Service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be. Man, God, give us, give us politicians like this again. Give us leaders like this again. And also that we may, un we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. He's praying over our sins. God, give us a leader like this again that will call, call the nation and will pray, that will pray over the nation's sins to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. So if anybody tries to tell you that Thanksgiving is this or this or this so that we, you know, what you need to do, you need to go to the Sunday's page, you need to copy this link and paste it somewhere in your phone so when someone tries to tell you no, you can say, no, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. This is what Thanksgiving has always been. I don't have time. I read it in the first service. I just don't have time. But I've also got some excerpts from Abraham Lincoln's proclamation for Thanksgiving. It's there on the Sunday's page. I dare you, go, go grab those two links, save them somewhere. So the next time somebody says this nation, no, 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 you say, no, this is how this nation was founded. These are the men that have led this nation. This is why this nation is great. And this is really what Thanksgiving is. This is the history of it. So, so this is what it's always been. And, and if you've been here, here for Thanksgiving before, I think I used this more in Christmas last year because it's kind of that time of year, both of the things. You've heard me say that I believe the true measure of Thanksgiving is how we handle the gifts that we've received. If I give you a gift for your house and you don't put it on your mantle or hang it on your wall, but you stick it in the closet, you didn't appreciate it. Now that may not be because you're a bad person. It may be because I've got bad taste. And it was ugly, right? And if you stick it in the closet, okay, it's not, I'm not saying that you're bad or wrong. I'm saying you just didn't really appreciate it, did you? It might have been a bad gift. So the true measure of your thanksgiving is how you handle the gift. And what gifts has God given you? I've already told you, you're stinking blessed. You are so blessed. How do you handle those gifts? And not just how do you handle them and use them, but how do you also maybe give on down the line? Because when you receive something, you know what should be happening? You should say, wow, I'm so blessed. At what I, 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 you know what? I want somebody else to feel what I'm feeling right now. And then you know what? When you do that and you give it away, you know what you're going to realize? You're going to realize that the best blessing wasn't in the receiving, but it was in the giving. I mean, you know, if somebody gives you a big old bag of Reese cups, do you, do you go to your bedroom, lock the door, and eat them all? Or do you think, I got a friend that likes Reese cups. I'm going to go give them two or three. And if you don't know a friend, here he is right here, okay? You can share them with me, right? 
I mean, isn't that what we really should be doing? Or do we want to hoard and take it all? No. And when we learn that, then we learn, man, it's even more blessed to give than to receive. I think, I think, yeah, God's already tried to tell us that over and over and over. Okay, let me, let me give you a quote. I, I'm talking about Thanksgiving. Let me give you a quote about, about giving. From Larry Poole, giving reminds you that God is the source of provision, not your own capabilities. You see, when you give, you're saying, okay, God already owns it. He's the one that gave this to me. There is no provision without God. You and I were born greedy. You remember when you were born? No, you probably don't. But you, you remember, you know, when, when babies are first born, do you remember how they act? Greedy. You be five minutes late getting that bottle ready. And what are they doing? Screaming, bloody, murder. Yeah, that diaper gets wet or worse. And what are they doing? Screaming, bloody. And if you don't, if you don't change, they don't back off. They don't say, oh, mom, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were busy. They're greedy. We, he tells them, we were born greedy. And so we need to remind ourselves. We don't need to wait for the pastor to do a Thanksgiving sermon. We don't need to wait for a, a president even to say, hey, it's Thanksgiving, guys. We need to be reminding ourselves often Often, not just once or twice a year, we need to remind ourselves, we are greedy people, and we need to remind ourselves often that God owns it all. And by giving, that's what we do is we remember, wait a minute, he owns it all. And I can't outgive God. If I give God this much, I, he gives this much. I remember, I remember I, don't, I don't remember where I heard or saw this or got the picture in my mind, but you know, when we're giving, it's like, you know, I give with a little spoon, and God gives with a front-end loader, a backhoe, right? That's the way it works. He owns it all. I, I, I have this much, and God owns it all. And that, that's, that's, that's what giving does, is it, is, it, is it brings that to our attention. Now listen, I know some of you thinking, okay, pastor did a bait and switch on us. Told us he's gonna talk about being blessed, and now he's talking about giving. Nope, not a bait and switch. You need to understand this. Your blessing is connected to your giving. If you don't see it yet, then let me say it this way. Your harvest is connected to your seed. If you're not putting any seed in the ground, there ain't no harvest coming. So your, your blessing is dependent upon your giving. And you know what? It, it, and listen, I, I have fought this. Jeff's talking about having fear. Uh, let me tell you, one of the fears I've had as a pastor all, all of my pastoral life is I've always had a fear of preaching on giving because you make people mad. Talking about, that's the pre preacher. He, all he's concerned about is the money. Now, that's not what, you know what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned about standing before God and not telling you about the blessings that you would have if you would just partner with God. You know, and, and, you know, and some of you say, I just wish you'd just leave that part out. No, there's coming a day when you're going to need this sermon. You may, not, you may not be in that place yet, but there is coming a day that you're going to say, I don't know why. I don't know why this financially. I don't know why that financially. I don't know why this with my job or that with my job. Because, but, and you're going to maybe hopefully remember back and say, wait a minute. What I need to do is I need to do what Larry Poole said. I need to do what pastor preached. Is that, you know, my, my, my harvest isn't coming up. I, my blessings aren't showing up because I haven't been putting anything. I got to put some stuff in the ground. You're going to need this at some point. And, and, and just about every sermon, I, I can't imagine ever preaching a sermon a, a series, a sermon series on giving without going to Malachi chapter 3. 
And in verse 8, you may have heard this before, where, where God's talking to Israel. He says, Israel, you know, he said, I got something against you because y'all been robbing from me. He said, Israel, you say, how are we robbing you, God? And he said, you're robbing me by not bringing my tithe, what belongs to me. You know, and so, man, really, God, God talks that straight? Yeah, you're robbing me. You know, he doesn't say I'm going to kill you. He doesn't say I'm going to, but you know, here's the reason I always go to Malachi chapter 3. It's not because of that robbing verse. I, I don't want to beat you up. But there's that one robbing verse in verse 8, and then beginning of verse 10 through verse 13, there are four blessings for givers. I don't want to tell you that, that Rob. I want to tell you about the blessings for givers. I want to tell you, and so when you start asking a question, well, I don't know why, I want to tell you. I want to show it to you, all right? And so today we're going to start with the first one, and that's in chapter 3, verse 10 of Malachi, where he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there could be food in my house. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And that word storehouse, so people, people say, well, well, where's the storehouse? Well, the, the Hebrew word there is otsar. And, and it means store or treasury, okay? So it's like being a place to store your treasures. Where do we store our treasures? You know, some of them, we, we hoard them like this, but where do we store the spiritual treasures? We store them in the church. This is the place of spiritual treasures. And I'm not talking about a building, because the church is not a building. I'm not talking about these four walls. I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a location. I'm talking about us. This is the place where the spiritual treasures are stored. And some very financial treasures, you know, very temporal treasures as well like that. And so, you know, it's, and wherever it is that you're needing blessing and you're wanting miracle in your life and you're wanting abundance in your life, then those are the places that you need to, do, that you need to be sowing in. And listen, if you're being fed, then keep pouring back into that field. You know, don't, don't, listen, don't be a taker or, or a goober. You know, that's from a couple of weeks ago. Y'all remember that sermon? Don't be a taker or a goober. Be a giver. Because when you give, listen, if you were a farmer and say right now, and some of you, you got gardens, and you know, and maybe right now you're beginning to gather your harvest. You know what? If you want to harvest again next year, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to put some more seed back in that field, aren't you? It's not coming back next, next year because you planted this year. You're going to have to do it again next year. So if you're being fed, if God is feeding you, then man, stick something back in that ground so it keeps coming. You know, don't stop. Don't back away. Don't, don't cut it off. Don't let it end right here. That's the challenge I've got for you today is, man, keep it rolling. I told you my story about the $3 and God made it $5. That wasn't the end of it. Man, it goes on and on and on. If, because if you don't, you see, I don't really want to talk about the 10% so much today, but if you want to talk about the, I'll be glad. I'll be glad to have the tithe conversation with you. Debate. I'll be glad to, okay? I, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss it, okay? Old Testament, New Testament. Yeah, we'll discuss all that, okay? But just, it's just not time today. I'm not talking about the 10%. I'm talking about consistency in giving. You see, because where there is no consistency in giving, there's a lack of food in God's house. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. In Malachi chapter 3, he said, bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house. Oh, well, God will provide. No, he doesn't. God doesn't show up on Sunday and make all this happen. God put it in us to make it happen. That's the way he works this thing. You showed up this morning and there was food in the house, wasn't there? 
I mean, very literally, there was coffee back there, yeah? And if you're part of the, the load-in team this morning, you got here and there was sausage biscuit, steak biscuit, chicken biscuit, you know, whatever you want. Thank you, pick. You know, first come, first serve, sometimes we run out, you know, if we have a big crowd here loading in. But very literally, there is food in the house. And you know what? We don't take up an offering on Saturday night to go do that. We just, the church just buys that because we got people showing up at 8 o'clock to do this, so we're going to buy them a biscuit, okay? If you got a problem with that, see me too, okay? I'm going to have a long list of things people need to see me about today. But we do that. But it's not just that physical food. There's spiritual food here today. You walked in the door and the, the music was playing. There, there was a worship team that had prepared to lead you into the presence of God. Some of you dropped your kids off to be over across the hall so that they could be poured into. They could be told about Jesus Christ. They're being fed today because there is food in the house. Or, or, or Wednesday night, you're going to bring your kids to Royal Rangers or girls stuff or to teens. And you know why they're going to be fed spiritually? Because there is food in the house. And we take that for granted. You do. I don't. Let me tell you why I don't take it for granted. Because I've been to places where there was no food in the house. Deva and I, at one of the first churches we ever pastored, uh, we show up. Now listen, we weren't looking for a big church. We were just looking for opportunity. Sometimes when you tell God what you want, he will give you exactly what you want. You'll find out. Let me, let me clarify, God. Because this was one of those places, it was loaded with opportunity. But you know what that means, don't you? We kind of, you know, moved all week. You know, you pack and everything, and then you get ready, and you move, and then you, you move into the house, and you're unpacking. And so I had prepared for my very first sermon, and I was ready, but I hadn't done much else because I'm the pastor. You know, I'm supposed to preach, so I was ready for that. We get there 15 minutes before service. We don't get there 15 minutes. I'm there early. But 15 minutes before service, I start finding some things out. I find out that Sunday school is going to be happening in 15 minutes, and pastor we don't have a Sunday school teacher. The pastor is the one that, that teaches Sunday school. So, pastor, you'll have to teach Sunday school this morning. I hadn't even looked at the Sunday school lesson because I wasn't delivering that. I was, work, I was moving all week, you know. I went and grabbed a book real quick, the Sunday school lexicon, lexicon real quick, started flipping. There it is. Find the scripture. Okay, yeah, I'm familiar. Okay, I, oh, that's the title. Okay, I can do this. God help me. And then I find out, pastor, we don't have anybody to lead singing here at this church. Former pastor did that, so you'll need to lead the singing. Do you or your wife lead the singing? So you'll have to, I'll have to lead the singing. Oh, because David couldn't lead the singing because if we wanted a Sunday school class for our, our, our kids, we had two kids. If we wanted a Sunday school class for our two kids that we had brought with us to that church, she had to teach that Sunday school class. So she was in the back room trying to gather some stuff, figuring out what to do with them. You know, they were very early elementary age at that time. And so, and Pastor, if you, can you lead sing it? So, yeah, I, I can lead sing it. Well, also, Pastor, oh, it just kept getting better. Opportunity on top of opportunity. You know, well, Pastor, our piano player is out of town this week, so if you want any music behind the leading of your singing, you're going to have to play as well. So I'm getting ready to go over there. You know, and I'm not really getting ready because, I mean, I'm, doing, I'm, as I'm in the middle of doing while they're telling me all this. I've got to get this ready, this ready, and I've got to go over and sit at the piano, and I'm going to lead the singing. Oh, and by the way, Pastor, if you would like to have a special song right before you preach, you're going to have to sing it. <laughs> Can I tell you something? There was no food in that house. There was no food in that house. Man, I was struggling to find, a, to find a meal to feed those people that day because nobody was giving. There was no food. So I've been there. That's why I appreciate 
seeing you walk in the door and you think, man, this is just so awesome because I just get to show up and somebody else has provided the food. I want you to know it's because somebody, it's because somebody is seeing and somebody, because here's the difference. You know, some people, some people they give almost, uh, their giving is kind of like admission fee, you know, so if I don't show up, I don't know, you know, but I'm here, so I think I'll I'll give 10 10 or 20 bucks. You know, I got several kids back there, you know, pastor, he's kind of got some conviction on me, so I guess I'll, I'll make it 30 this week or whatever. Let me tell you something, that's, that's not how the food gets here. You know, donors give donations, investors make commitments. And the difference is this, when you're, when you're a, a consistent giver, when you're a consistent giver, you're an investor. And what you're doing is you're saying, this is what God has called us to do, and I'm a part of us. I'm going to be a part of this. I threw my shoulders back on Monday night. When I was looking at everything that was happening there, I threw my shoulders back. I didn't have to tuck my head anywhere, you know. I threw my shoulders back and said, I'm a part of this. I'm, I'm helping make this happen, not just because I'm pastor, but because I'm an investor. You know, here's what investors see, okay? Investors see kids. Investors see kids that need male role models and motherly love and time. And so when they give, then what they do is they're paying the rent for that room that the Royal Rangers is in every Wednesday night. They're paying the rent for that room that the girls' stuff is in every Wednesday. They're paying the, the rent for those three rooms over there that your kids are being ministered to and fed. Investors see kids that need time with men and women of God to pour into their life. Investors see men and women who need to be sitting right here and hearing the word of God both challenge them and encourage them. And you know what? When you walked in today, guess what? The doors were open. Why? Because we pay our rent every week. Every week we give them the check that, that, that we're renting this room for. And because of that, they open it back up. Let me tell you something. If we quit writing the check, then they're not going to keep opening the room and letting us come in here and run the air conditioner or the heat in a few weeks and run the lights and use their electricity. But because of that, and investors say men and women need to be in the presence of God and challenged by the word of God and encouraged by the word of God. And so they said, that's why I got to give is because this is what God has called us to do. And I am a part of us. They see families, they see marriages that are on the rocks. They see families that need to be around and and, and have the prayer team pray over them and, and believe with them small groups, the the infrastructure that enables us to do small groups, even though small groups operate on their own budget-wise, but the infrastructure that allows us to to help small groups actually happen. All of this happens. Investors see a community that needs a church with the passion, with the ability, and with the funds to powerfully impact that community, impact that community's future, impact that community's schools, impact that community's families. Uh, That's what investors see, and they say, this is what God has called us to do, and I am a part of us. Amen? So, you've heard me say this. You've heard me say, everyone ought to attend a church they brag about. If this church, if what is happening in this church, if I could just tell you the stories the salvation experiences, the, 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 the reversals of, of what, what is happening in people's lives and God just turning it around, lives being rescued. I mean, just look, and, and just, just those people out there that we touched this week. Oh, some of you workers on Monday night, you got that privilege to say, no, this is all free. My church just makes this gift to your family. You just see, and, and listen, everyone ought to attend a church they brag about. 
If this church doesn't, if you say, man, I want to be a part of this, of this harvest of blessings that is happening. I want to be a part of making that happen. If that does, I, I dare you. Go find a church that makes you say, I want to be a part of what is happening in this church. I dare you to do, you, you need to be, and, and it's not enough. Let me tell you, you are never going to be fulfilled showing up on Sunday morning and eating. You've got to find, if this is not it, then go find, and, and be here at three o'clock today if you want to find out if this is it. If you've never been to 101, be here at three o'clock today and make up your mind, this is, or, or, or God's got some other place I need to be. You need to be somewhere that you say, this is the place that is feeding me, and I've got to be a part of putting it back in the ground so there's more blessings, more blessings tomorrow, more blessings tomorrow. What, uh, uh, don't, is my next, uh, is it the potential? Is that my next, yeah, make, make sure I'm online. I'm, I, got, I got to wrap this real soon. Let me talk to you about potential real quick if I can. There are about 300 regular attenders, not counting the little kids, the littlest kids, not, not counting them, they're about three. I, I know because I counted this week. Actually, I came up with 301, so about 300 regular attenders in this church, not counting the little kids. And every one of us, every year, has 8,766 hours. Okay, it doesn't sound like a lot when you, break, when you start thinking about it, right? But 300 times 8,766 is 2,629,800 total hours. That's how many hours you and I have. That's how many hours you and I and all the people who regularly attend Church 2911 will have in the next 12 months. We will have 2.6 million hours to do something with. Now, granted, a third of that's going to be spent sleeping, right? Some of you can get by on six hours and you'd like that. I've got a friend that can get by on four. I wish I could do it. I tried, but you know, she gets a lot more done. I get a lot more done when I've only got four hours of sleep too because I'm so ornery people don't want to be around me. I get a lot more done, right? Most of us need six to 10 hours, some of you six, some of you gotta have 10, eight's about a normal average. So cut that out of there. And you know what you're still left with? We're still left with 1.7 plus million hours that we're gonna do so, waking hours that we're gonna do something with in the next 12 months. What if we gave it to God? Now I'm not talking about joining a monastery. Not talking about taking a, a vow of poverty, you know, and quitting your job and going out and living in the field somewhere or something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what if those eight hours that you spend at work, you give that to God? What if when you go to school, you give that time to God? What if when you're studying, you give that time to God? What if when you're driving down the road, you give that time to God? What if when you're at Walmart, you give that time to God? What if when you're, when you're jogging or whatever it is you like to do as you're at, you give that time also to God? What if when you're at, at, at the restaurant and, and, and you know, you're, you're eating out, what if you give that time to God so that when the waitress is having a tough day or something, what if you give that time? What if we gave 1.7 million waking hours to God over the next 12 months? What could God do through that? Wow, that's the potential that you and I have when, if we will partner with him. Because that 1.7 million, oh man, we could do a lot of good with 1.7 million hours. But what would it be if we gave it to God and he got in the middle of it? What could God, but let, let, let's talk about another potential area we have. We've been talking a lot about money. Let's talk about money right here. There, we have about 130 regularly attending families at Church 2911. Okay, I know because, like I said, I counted them this week, okay? Marked off the people that don't come regularly. 130 regularly attending 
families at 2911. The latest census estimates, you know, we haven't had a census this year or last, but so the latest census estimates are that the average salary per household in Jefferson County is $26,000. Okay, so now some of y'all realize and y'all really are blessed, aren't you? That's the average household salary in Jefferson County. I think we're a little above the curve on this. I, I, but, but we're going to stick with this. We're going st to stay conservative, okay? We're going to make sure. I don't, I don't want to overstate, all right? So we're going to stick with this. So 130 families at 2911, 130 regularly attending families at church 2911, has an average of $26,000 income, money that is going to come through their fingers in the next 12 months. Do you know what that number is? Three million three hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Did you hear that? The us, us, the people sitting here, the people, three million three hundred and eighty thousand dollars is going to slip through our fingers in the next twelve months. Most of it. And now I know I know that's not enough because some of y'all plan on making a million in the next year, right? So and we've got to bump that on up some more, right? I mean, some of you, you got bigger dreams than that, but just look, I'm talking about very, very conservatively. $3.38 million is going to come through. We're, we're going to control $3.38 million in the next 12 months. But what about the next 10 years? If, we don't, if nobody else starts attending here, it's just us, the, the ones that are already here, in 10 years, adjust a little bit for inflation, and you and I are going to oversee or, or handle or, or have come through our hands $34 million in the next 10 years. And the thing that gripped me the most when this hit me this week, I got to thinking about that, is when that 10 years is up, what are we going to look back and say, we did with $34 million. As a church, what are we gonna say we accomplished with $34 million, $34 million? That blows me away, that you and I are gonna have that much money, a minimum, I mean, minimum, really, come through it, that we're gonna have at our disposal to do something good with, what in the world? And what if, what if, in the same way as we were talking about with our, our time, what if we gave that to God and said, God, show me how to use this to better take care of my family. Show me how to use this, God, to somehow bless somebody else out there. See, because God's not gonna show up and do it. He, he's done that, and here's how he does this. He says, I'm gonna bless you with so much that you can live off 90%, and you just give that 10% back so that there's food in my house. What could we do in this community with $34 million? Let me read something to you just before we close. I know, I know I've read and didn't read quite as much to you as I did to the first service, but this last little thing right here. <clears throat> I don't want to tell you at first who said this, okay? But just listen with me, if you will. What will you do? Well, I'll tell you one thing you're not going to do, and that's take it with you. A couple of years ago, I found out what you can't take it with you means. I found out while I was lying in a ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood and with the tibia of my right leg poking out the side of my jeans like a branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm. I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life is ephemeral, 
But on that particular day and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed when we go out of this life, but we are just as broke. Warren Buffett, going to go out broke. Bill Gates, going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Steve King, broke. Not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mostly smoke and mirrors. No matter how large your bank account, no matter how many credit cards you have, sooner or later, things will begin to go wrong with the only three things you have that you can really call your own, your body, your spirit, and your mind. So I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. And why should we refuse? Because we're gonna take it with us? Please. Giving is a way of taking the focus off the money we make and putting it back where it belongs, on the lives we lead, the families we raise, the communities that nurture us. A life of giving, not just money, but time and spirit. A life of giving repays. It helps us remember that we may be going out broke, but right now we're doing okay. Right now, we have the power to do great good for others and for ourselves. So I ask you to begin giving and to, begin, and to continue as you began. I think you'll find in the end that I've, I think you'll find in the end that you got far more than you ever had and did more good than you ever dreamed. A link to that fool, that was excerpts as well. A link to that fool sermon is also on the Sunday's page. So you know who preached that? Pretty good sermon, wasn't it? You know who preached it? Stephen King. Yeah, that's Stephen King. Not a, not a preacher. It wasn't a sermon. It was a commencement address at Vassar College in 2001, 15 years ago. Not a, not a preacher, not even a Christian by his own words. Not a Christian. But you know what he is realizing and you know what this world is realizing? That all of this is useless. Our culture is realizing all this stuff we're gathering and we're getting, it's useless. You know, everything you get, all that stuff you're pulling together, one of these days, you know, you're saying, mine, 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 mine. One of these days you're going to die before your body is cold in the ground. Other people are going to be fighting over it saying, mine, 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 mine. And you know what? You're all going to be wrong because it's not mine, it's not yours. It all belongs to the owner, the creator of this universe. And the only thing you can do that's for eternity is give, pour in, leave for somebody else, bless. If you've gotten caught up in the culture that says, get all you can and can all you get, and let everybody else fend for themselves, I dare you to let God set you free from that. I dare you to. Can I ask you if you will join me at the front? We'd like to close around front if you're first time attender. We'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer, and we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable doing so. If you have financial needs, now listen, I didn't say if you have financial problems, if you've made a mess of your, that ain't what I said. I said, if you have financial needs, 
because your family's gotten bigger or your house has gotten older, whatever it is, or your job is playing out or whatever. If you've got financial needs, these next three Sundays, man, you, you need to mark down, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear this. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to let this prayer team pray over me. Whatever your needs are today, last, last week several of you moved forward and a lot of us pray. Please let us pray with you today. If, if you're sick in body, you've got a family member sick, please let us pray over you today, okay? Even if I didn't, didn't preach about that, let us pray with you today, please. Some of you may not even know Jesus Christ. And some of you are thinking, well, that's because he's got all these rules. Like, now you're throwing another one at me. I didn't know about that tithe, tenth thing. My goodness. But you're missing the whole point. Jesus is not saying this. He's saying, here's my partnership that I offer you so that I can bless you with abundance. So I can bless you. And, oh, and, and I'm, start, I'm almost wanting to preach next week's sermon about that blessing. You see, this, this, this is the one command. You've heard the one command today. <laughs> that's the one command the rest of it's blessing. You know, you've already heard one command and one blessing. The rest of this, you're just going to hear blessings. So don't miss the next ones because it gets better. It gets bigger. But you've got to partner with him. And, and what happens is, and even, even a lot of you who are, are Christians, you have not yet learned this. You need to learn this. Is that it truly is there's more blessing in being a giver than being a receiver. Until you do it, you're not going to understand it. Or people that, you know, I know you got needs. I know you got, and, and, and it's so easy to say, but I need, I need, I need. And, and Jesus said, when you do that, you end up back in the back of the line. He said, if, if you want to have your need met, then take care of somebody else's need. That's what he says. If you got a need this morning, this is the time to pray with these guys. And then it's time for you to start finding somebody else. Find somebody that's got the same needs you got and help them through it. You know, uh, and my goodness, what a... What an opportunity this week. Wear your church 2911 shirt out in a community, the public proud. Wear it proud. If somebody asks you about it, somebody says, was that the church? Yes, absolutely, that was my church. But this is, this is the, and some of you are going to get that question asked because I get that question asked. Love it. Go through the drive-thru, somebody sees that shirt, say, wait a minute, y'all were the, yep, we were. Awesome opportunity. So, so yeah, can't let go of that truth or dare. It just, it, it just won't get away from it. So here, here's another dare for you, threefold. Choose to give, choose to serve, and choose to tell somebody. I dare you. Choose to give, choose to serve, and choose to tell somebody. Uh, and the back line of that would be choose to be blessed by doing this. Choose to be blessed. Would you pray with me, Jamie? Go ahead when you can. Father.